When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's. Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippey is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi, is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. What's up? Happy Saturday. I'm Brian Scott Rippey, Colin Rippey on the other end. This is the LB's Post Game Show. First one we've done in, I guess, literally 21 days, 20-ish days for us. Sunday after the Egg Bowl, Ole Miss loses 53-48 to LSU in Death Valley. A lot to unpack from this game. Um, we'll get into a lot of different stuff. I didn't take questions this time because Colin and I are literally recording as soon as this game ended. I don't even know if the game is technically over. I've turned off the television and pretty much just told Colin let's hit record as soon as it was pretty much a given that the ball was out on that last drive from Corral. Anyway, what's up, man? Not much. Not much. That was uh, that was tough. That was really, really tough. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Um, that was game you could have won probably should have won um you know you turn the ball over six times and you lose by what five I mean it's it's tough um but yeah it was it was one heck of a football game yeah I just uh I I don't even really know where to start with this one because to your point I didn't really know what like the expectations should be going into this game I found it weird that the line moved in Ole Miss's favor after Moore and Yaboa opted out did you notice that so I did it was like yeah yeah, so it settled at Ole Miss minus one, but LSU was favored, and then after the opt-outs, Ole Miss went to minus one. I didn't, I didn't quite understand that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I thought, honestly, LSU would be kind of emotionally spent after last week. Um, I, you know, um, they weren't. 
um, and, and credit to Orgeron. And then those guys, they played well again, uh, did what they had to do, and then were able to win the football game. Um, they, they, you know, for all the crap Orgeron's gotten, you know, he's pulled out two pretty gutsy wins the past two weeks. Right. They, what, finished the year five and – were they four and five or five and five? They got to ten games, didn't they? They're five and five? Yeah. Yeah, they're so, five and five. After all that that storm, they ended up at five hundred. But th- that's really not the point. Ole Miss loses 53-48. Uh, Matt Corral turns the ball over six times. I guess that's as good a place as any to start. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. When when he has a bad game, he makes an ex like a statement out of it. He's like he's like a, he's like your buddy that like maybe doesn't drink that often. Uh, but when he does, just goes out and absolutely, you know, paints the town purple. You know, he well, wakes up in, you know, in a in the uh, in the drunk tank with his pants pissed, and is like, "How did this happen?" It's like, dude, every time you do this, once every six months, it just gets out of control. I don't really know right. a better way to describe it. It's kind of nuts. That's two look, six turnover games. Yeah, look, I'm gonna be a little bit of an apologist. Um, this was nowhere near as bad as the Arkansas game. Um, no, nowhere near. Uh, the first, the pick six was was a terrible decision, terrible throw. Um, let's go throw. The the pick six was awful. Um, the one on fourth down was pass interference that they didn't call. The strip sack was because your interior offensive line just couldn't block a soul in the first half. Um, the one at the end was, I mean, that was on him. Uh, you can't fumble there. I'm just trying to run through the, the, the one at the beginning of the second half. I, I mean, Dontario Drummond did him absolutely no favors on a 50 50 ball. Um, and I guess I'm forgetting one. Did he throw four in the first half? The other one, you're forgetting what might have been the worst one other than the pick six where he should have taken a sack and tried to dump it off to whatever back was yeah, in the backfield. Yeah, that one was true. Right before halftime. It yeah. only led to three points, but the reason it only led to three points is because the the halftime, I mean, it was it was 22 seconds yeah, before halftime. Yeah, that one was awful. That one was awful. But I guess my point is, uh, yeah, six turnover was not great. It, it, it in no way resembled. Um, the Arkansas game. And, man, another thing. Look, I get it. I'm an apologist, whatever. Um, you, you, you had Casey Kelly out there playing the majority of the football. Like, these dudes were not getting open, uh, which is a scary story. Like, besides Braylon Sanders, like, these cats were not open. You could see Matt wanting to go deep or go over the middle multiple times and having to pull the football down against an interior offensive line that did not play well until the beginning of the – or the middle of the third quarter. Um and, and nobody was open. And, and, and that's alarming for next year. 100%. These guys are going to have to play next year. Um, Braylon Sanders played well. He always plays well. He's really good. Other than that, you look out there, man, and these cats just were not getting open. And and I don't – man, that's that's alarming going forward. Um, and, look, again, Matt didn't play well. Don't, don't hear me. Don't get me wrong. But, man, when nobody's open, you know – and and Jerion Ely gets hurt in the middle of the third quarter. I mean, it's it's not it's not easy to work with. Yeah, I'd like to stay on Corral for a minute, but you bring up an interesting point in the sense that like I don't really know how to contextualize this because you're correct in the sense that they were not the receivers were not getting open. And the offensive line for Ole Miss found something in the running game in the second half. They ended up with 307 yards rushing despite everyone, including Kiffin and the announcers, talking about how Ole Miss couldn't run the ball with much consistency. They outgained, they outrushed LSU by over 150 yards. But with that being said, 
Ole Miss still ended up with 558 yards of total offense and 48 points. Like, I, I don't know at this point what that says because everyone is putting up ridiculous numbers in college football offensively. This shit show lasted four hours. Like, it is a concern. They have dudes that aren't getting open, but at the same time, they scored more than enough points to win a football game. It's, it's weird. I don't, I don't know what to think. I'm not saying you're wrong, and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not well, even, I don't even know what I'm arguing. It's just strange. Well, okay, I mean. Sure. You're, look, but they get a 105 yard touchdown run from Majerion Ailey. Um, the two touchdown or the last touchdown drive in the first half was predicated on running the football. Um, the first drive was really good uh, opening script by Levy. The second half, they ran the ball down LSU's throat, um, which was a good sign for your offensive line, who did not play well in the first half, but played pretty well in the second half. But I mean, man, the, look. I mean, first off, I mean, look on the last drive, Dennis Jackson. I mean, th- th- this should tell you exactly where you're at. Dennis Jackson makes his first catch of the year. You know, like at that, at that point, you know, what what are you doing? And Casey Kelly's out there running around, who I think is a fine football player, but I don't think when they started this year, they would have been happy if you told them, hey, uh, on the game-winning drive, Casey Kelly's going to be in at tight end. Like, I don't think that was part of the process here. Um, again, that kid's going to be a fine football player. He's a freshman. Um so it it just man it wasn't good and then obviously you lose Ely Braylon Sanders hurts his ankle it it just was you have six turnovers and somehow we're in the football game so you know it, it it's a tough loss for sure but I, I it to me it comes back to look yeah you turn the football over six times and this defense was just atrocious again just atrocious yeah they they were. But they were also particularly in the first half. Like, I left the first half thinking that they had not played that poorly. In in the sense that, one, LSU had, what, 34 points at halftime? Is that correct? Yes. And Seven on 20, defense. Yes, yeah, seven on defense. But until the last drive before halftime, every single one of those, all of those points except for seven had come either completely on defense or via a short field. In plus territory, if I'm not mistaken, no. Oh, uh, I can't remember. Um, I could look, but yeah, I mean, look, they were they were getting short fields to be sure. Um, you know, that's what happened. Like the Ole Miss, they, they were they, the defense. If uh, for a typical Ole Miss game, everyone listening to this podcast presumably has watched most or all of these games this year. I guess the point I'm trying to make is is the defense was bad in the second half. I'll concede that. But in the first half, they really weren't that bad by Ole Miss standards. They got enough stops for Ole Miss to create separation enough for a multiple score lead. And just the turnovers killed them. Ole Miss had, what, four turnovers in the first half, all on Corral. Like, all until that last drive, which was not great, every single one of those points, LSU had one drive that resulted in a touchdown where they drove the ball down the field in Norfolk. Every other one was a direct result of a turnover or a short field. Uh, Yeah, I mean – that's what happens when you turn the football over. And and again, I know, like yes, the six turnovers on Matt Corral, but man, I, I and, and I I hesitate to say this because look, this this I don't think anybody would be silly enough to label this a bad like this was a good year for Ole Miss. But and if you look out there and you see all these guys running around and, and they can't get open and look, Matt Corral didn't play well. I don't want to, you know, shy away from that, but man. Those receivers, every time they did complete a pass, there was nobody running open down the middle of the field. And and that's concerning because these are guys that you're going to have to rely on next year or you're going to have to play some young guys uh, that you recruited this year. And I think to probably one, like if you're looking for a single play that best underscores what you're talking about, was what you brought up a second ago, 
the interception to start the third quarter because that play, Corral seemingly is in trouble. He gets flushed out of the pocket, goes to his right, and throws downfield. And, you know, my brain in live action, and I'm sure I'm not alone on this, was, oh, they have a one-on-one. They have something here. Like, he found something. And Drummond, like you said, did him absolutely no favors. It almost felt like Drummond was the defensive back, and the kid that picked it off for LSU was the six-foot-whatever wide receiver, and it wasn't because the throw was that bad. That was that was really weak. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll get criticized because defending Corral, but – yeah, it just it didn't feel like the Arkansas game to me, um, where where there were opportunities to advance the football and he tried to throw into drop eight coverage. Uh, this didn't feel like that to me. So, yeah, it's it's a tough tough deal. Um, but you know, you know, you you finish off the season four wins in SEC play, you get the egg back. Um, you know, it's it's look, I don't, I, I think this would have been kind of the cherry on top, right? Um, but you know. It, when when you turn the football over six times and you let LSU do what they did in the second half on, on to your defense, I mean, it you're not going to win many football games like that. And uh, frankly, the fact that they had the football with a chance to win at the end was kind of insane. Well, how about the fact that they were up 48-40 in the fourth quarter amidst all that? Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. until the final drive, it's not like they turned it over again. They absorbed five turnovers in the first 31 and a half minutes of football and were up 48-40 in the fourth quarter like I it's it, that that part's insane to me yeah yeah I, I think you know the only thing I'll ever or, or, or criticize from from the game was when Ole Miss went really really conservative with five minutes and 30 seconds left that that's the one that's gonna bother me that's where they um, lost the game let's yeah be and it really wasn't even the first down play call LSU stacked the box on second and 13 and Man, if there was ever a chance you were going to have one of these wide receivers get open and make a play, it was there. And you run into the line, you don't really give yourself a shot on third and twelve or whatever. I mean, it that was where to me, man. If you could have just tried to go run your offense that has been dynamite in the second half, you know, that's where I think you could have won the football game. And, and they just really went conservative. Um, but you know, outside of that, man, I thought Jeff Levy did one heck of a job. Uh, your quarterback turns it over six times and you put up 48 points. Um, I thought he did one and you don't, you're out. You're at one point, your top four playmakers are out. Um, so, you know, it, it's a tough loss. I mean, you, you, this defense, man, they, they've got to get better at that, you know, and it, it, it sucks because you knew as soon as Ole Miss did not get a first down and gave it back to LSU, it's like, they're not getting a stop. Um, frankly, I was sitting there thinking, just let them score and let us get the football back. Um, because when the kid, honest to God, when the kid caught the ball and broke the tackle, I said, let him go. I'm like, don't tackle him. Just, just let, let's get the football back and try this way. Because at, at no point after Ole Miss punted that football at the end of the game did I think they would, uh, that they would actually get a stop. Agreed. And I don't know if I was dreaming this, but I swear when that kid was running down the sideline, I'll have to go back and look at the replay. Ole Miss had a defender basically being like, hey, let it go, let it go. Like, no, I, I, don't know, I, was, I was yelling that. I was yelling, but, let him score. Just let him score and try again on offense. And, dang, they, they gave themselves a shot on offense. You know, you play on that wet field and, and you fumble the football, you put yourself in that situation, and, and a bad thing happened. Agreed. And another, another, I think, example of how, like, warped the Ole Miss mindset is from a defensive perspective is, I, I guess, tacking along to what you were talking about, Ole Miss is not good in four-minute offense. That's just really not how they're built, right? Like, they, they're built on speed and tempo 
and getting and getting the opposing defense gas. Like they were at their best when LSU had their hands on their hips and Ole Miss is hitting them every which way. They don't know if they're going to run or going to throw it and they're going up tempo. Ole Miss is not very good when you're asking. I mean, it all, I mean, you can see it on the screen. It, uh, the announcer Stinchcomb, the color guy, was talking about it, but like. When a corral's sitting there waiting for the play clock to go down to two or whatever before snapping it, it almost felt awkward because you're so not used to seeing it. And they're just not good in those scenarios. But to your point, after they get stopped, you were talking about how, okay, the defense is going to allow them to score. Let's let them score quick so Ole Miss has a chance to win the game. I'm sitting there with my girlfriend who does not know anything about football. I was like, they're wasting time on this punt. They should try to punt the football as quickly as possible. Like, yeah. you know, Ole Miss wasted – then this is not why they lost the game, and it ended up being inconsequential, but I think it's indicative of the mindset that, you know, Ole Miss has from a defensive perspective is they should have rushed Mac Brown out on the field and punted the football as quickly as possible after Corral took the sack but, instead of wasting 40 seconds because I'm sitting there thinking LSU is going to score. Try to prefer, preserve as much time as you can if possible. You know, you know how like you ever seen the tweets that are like, you know, tired, um, and then they say something, and then like they'll say something outrageous, and you say, "Wired, um, tired is punting the football. Wired is Ole Miss should have just gone for it. That way, LSU scored <laughs> you. And, and, what is it? Fourth and twenty-two. Yeah, just just go for it, and that way you have more time. I actually kind of like that because if you go for it, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, I kind of like that because if you go for it and you don't get it, well, LSU could only have gotten one first down max. So exactly. they're either kicking the field goal or take the lead with plenty of time left or scoring a touchdown to take the lead with plenty of time left. I think you're on to something there, which is probably indicative of just how absurd this conversation is. Because you know when, when Kiffin punted that football, at no point in his brain did he think, okay, we're going to get the football back with the lead. Like he knew when he kicked it, all right, we're, we're behind. Uh, so, yeah, you just should have gone for it. Okay, thoughts. I'll have, this is a less effective strategy. You just have Mac Brown run out of the back of the end zone. No, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't, can't do, do that, that because yeah, then it's tied and then LSU. Has well, the ball. you could onside punt it, <laughs> or onside free kick it. I should Look, say, I, but yeah, no, I, you're right. I, you were almost. Why not? No one was getting separation anyway. Why not have the you know chat uh, Casey Kelly, who to quote Booger McFarland, probably a biscuit away from a tackle or someone else down there. Just try to go to make a Hail Mary. I mean, obviously you can't do that. Like that's, that's reckless behavior. But with this team in its current state, it's not the dumbest idea in the world. I honest to God would have. Look, I'm not saying Lane Kiffin should have done this. I would have considered it. I honest to God would have. Because I knew as soon as they, uh, they punted the football, they, they, we were not getting the ball back and having the lead. Like that, that was mutually exclusive. Them having, or them getting the football back meant they had the lead. So just just don't let them use any time so you can get it back and try to go score. I'm I'm kind of kidding, but the more I say this out loud, I don't actually think that's the worst idea in the world because your defense wasn't getting a stop. No, it wasn't. And you're not wrong in that sense because we were just both talking about it. I mean, I texted you at the time when Ole Miss – I mean, when LSU ran the – they threw the pass and the kid ran down the sideline and scored. I was like, oh, Ole Miss got a break there. Like you got a, you got a minute 20 left or whatever it was. So – yeah, we're kind of rambling at this point, but Corral, not very good. And no. I ended up tweeting out. I ended up, I just said at the beginning of the podcast, we weren't taking questions, but I tweeted it out anyway, just because why not? One last uh, uh, post game show. Let's see if we can take questions. One of the questions was, does this give you reserves about Corral being the guy next year? No. I, uh, I say no. I mean, there's too much talent there. 
And, you know, when he had Elijah Moore and he had Kenny Yaboa, you know, they were awesome. And this really only happened one time. But I will I will contend they're going to have to teach the kid. Do you think some of this is is what we just talked about? The warped mindset that this team has because they cannot get stops consistently defensively that corral, that they're hyper aggressive and Corral always feels like he has to do something ridiculous instead of just taking the sack or throwing the football away. He always does something and takes a risk to try to get the first down and stay on the field or to try to do something that at that point in the game you don't really have to do. And yeah. I guess that's a two-parter is, one, do you think a lot of that is just him having that mindset because of how bad the defense is? And number two, regardless of what his mindset is, they're going to have to teach the kid to 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 have eight beers and then call it a night instead of start throwing up in the middle of the square, I guess, to go on the, the drinking term. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. They're going to have to teach the kid to rein in these horrible games because you can't survive six turnover games. And if Ole Miss actually wants to get back to where they were under freeze or whatever, it's a, it's a if you turn it over six times, you have lost that game, and he's done it twice this year. Like, it's literally yeah. without a question. Yeah, and yeah, you're, you're, you're not wrong, but I don't think – um, today and, and look, may, maybe I'm wrong. I, I just, it, it, the two, six interception or six turnover games to me are coincidental because when I look at how we played today compared to how we played against Arkansas, like that's not, they're not even in the same realm for me. And I, and I get what you're saying, but like against all Arkansas, I thought, I thought the kid was just awful in everything that he did. I didn't think he played well today and I didn't even think he played average I thought he was below average but man it just kind of felt like yeah he's having to force everything where I don't really think he had to do that against Arkansas um, because you know the defense was actually kind of playing well in Fayetteville um, but today it just kind of felt like all right I got nobody open uh, nobody can get open we can't get a stop I've got to do everything I can to go get this football in the end zone um, and yeah you're right it's like you hear all the time you know, uh, a punt's not the worst thing in the world. And it's like, well, well, this defense, it kind of is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough situation, right? Because you can't really rein him in because a lot of the time this stuff works. And, man, you know, what's the alternative? Punting the football rather than throwing an interception? Like, both of them are going to end usually in the same way. I, I agree. And I guess I'm assuming – I think we're in some ways saying two different versions of the same thing because I'm assuming that this defensive thing is going to be rectified to it some better. degree next year. Yeah, to your point, it, like you're just saying, it better be. But, man, like it, assuming that's the case, like you talk about these two games not being comparable. I, I agree. He was much worse against Arkansas, and you're talking about him being – below average today but like I would counter with the fact that hey man there's a way to be w- way below average without giving it to the other team six times like let like be below average and just suck and and be and be nine of 20 or whatever without the six turnovers no I mean that that's completely fair um it's it's just unfortunate because man I really hope to have a ball game and he plays well because look I mean I don't know what his final stat lines finished at but if you would have offered him and Lane Kiffin this stat line that he finished with this year, uh, there's not a soul that that roots for Ole Miss that would not have taken that. You know, um, even with the 12 turnovers combined against Arkansas and and uh, LSU, everybody would have taken how he played this year. And it's just unfortunate that it comes in you know the last game of the year against one of your biggest rivals. 
Yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm not even being well, actually. If I think it's technically 13 because against Arkansas, he had the six picks and then the red zone fumble, right? So, yeah, like, I'm just I'm just for clarity's sake, it's 13. I mean, it's 13 turnovers in two of the nine games, right? However many yeah. turnovers he had this year, 13 of them came in eight quarters. Yeah, yeah, and not great. Um, and the, the funny thing is, like, I don't – outside of that game, there was an interception against Florida – uh, there was a fumble against South Carolina. I, I don't The remember. red zone picked on the first drive against, against Auburn. Auburn. Not great. So that's three more. That's 16. I don't remember many more if there were any turnovers, um, uh, you know, from him. Um, so I, I honestly, I'm, I'm maybe I'm wrong. I do not remember a fumble, and I, I'm sure I'm wrong. There had to be. I do not remember a lost fumble this year from anyone other than Matt Corral. Do you? Oh man, um, no. Like I'm just, but, I'm just thinking out loud here. I don't remember one. No, I don't really either. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen, man. Because we're doing these podcasts, and the last time you and I have done back to back one of these was Halloween. Yes, it was. yes, so that's it was. Uh, that's also an issue with this. And that's another thing that Kiffin said at halftime. I guess that's a decent transition to wrap up the question, the first question that we got from whoever that was on Twitter. on Twitter. No, this does not give me cause for concern necessarily about Corral being the guy next year. I think when he's when functioning at a high level, he is Ole Miss's by far and away their best option. And I guess to wrap, to put a bow on the quarterback talk before we move elsewhere. The, I didn't understand, like, look, I got it against Arkansas, the Plumlee calls. I got it when, you know, he threw the pick in the red zone in the second drive against Auburn. I didn't get it today because, and I'm purely speculating here, this is not anything I know or anything anyone I have talked to. Odds are John Rice Plumley is not here next year if he has interest in playing quarterback somewhere. So what good does that do you in the last game of the season to yank your guy next year, no matter how bad he's playing? Yeah, no, I mean, he's, yeah, my crowd's quarterback. Um, let's 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 call this what this is. Um, if if John Rice Plumley comes into this game down thirty-four to twenty-one at halftime, and after you know, I guess it was thirty-four to twenty-one at halftime, Ole Miss does not have the lead in this football game, and and I'll stand by that. Like if if they would have gone in the locker room after what four first half turnovers and said, "All right, we're going to go to number 10. at no point does Ole Miss lead this football game. Um, and and so, you know, I saw a lot of people. I don't know what it is, man. Uh, just at halftime, clamoring like, "You got to put him in." No, you don't. Just, just ride number two, and then let's see what happens. And you know, with five minutes left, you're up eight points. And you know, it, it just unfortunate that it broke the way it did. Yeah. Okay. So even even big bigger brain counterpoint there. I don't I don't disagree in the sense that we haven't really seen what in if any package they have for Plumley. But, I, okay, I, you're going to bear with me because you're going to think this sounds insane, but I swear to God I'm not crazy. Given what Plumlee did to LSU last year, no. at halftime, if you could have gotten to Levy and just been like, hey, we've got uh, Rich Rod's here and he's playing with the Tiger across the street. Like, like he's around. For a half, could we just, could we just, could we just do this? Like, go have a beer at Tigerland, Levy. We'll pick you up on the, on the, on the bus ride back to the airport. <laughs> Do you go with last year's version of last year's offense of Plumlee? Because of the, the, the greatest piece of supporting evidence I'll have of this is no one was getting open in the passing game anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, 
and and here's my counter to it. He's not that much better of a runner than Matt Corral. They, uh, you know, I, I mean. Oh I man, think, he's pretty quick. I'm not a is. big plumbing guy. We've been Corral stands for day one, but man, he he's a good runner. No, no, no. I didn't say he wasn't a good runner. I just said the guy that you have back there, quarterback's pretty good one too. Um, so I'll take the guy that's pretty good runner. Maybe you know he's obviously not as good as Plumley. I, I should have. I was being a little dense there, but I'll take the guy that's a pretty good runner that can throw the ball seventy yards down the field, and and we'll run our offense around that. That's fair. And in all seriousness, I I didn't understand the the cause for Plumley today because again, wow. in the long term, what good does that serve you? Because as I talked about with Brody Miller, if you want to go back and listen to that interview from Thursday, which was actually, if, you, if you're interested in the LSU side of things and all of this and what they are long-term, it's actually a very fascinating interview. Um, he does a really good job laying that out. But what we talked about is like, does this game really matter? And it's like for the winner, yes, kind of, but for the loser, not really. Because LSU, if they had lost this game, it was just kind of eh, Ed disastrous season during the long term, whereas Ed wins this, it's, oh man, he got to five and five through all this crap. Kind of the same thing with Ole Miss. Oh, they finished five and four, four and five. Not a huge deal. Yeah. No, I mean, look, any Ole Miss fan that looks at this season as is a bad year or anything other than a rousing success, um, I, I guess we just disagree. Um, because, man, if you had offered me four wins and, you know, after the, the COVID schedule and four wins and you get the Egg Bowl back and, you know, it, you, you recruit like they did on Wednesday, um, I think anybody would have taken it. So, yeah, I mean, look, would you have liked to beat an LSU? Sure, but, you know, it just – you didn't play well. Um, and, and is there a cause for concern for some turnover issues? I guess. And, you know, did this offense look great without Elijah Moore and Kenny Yeboah? And, and did Royce Newman play? I didn't even notice, to be completely okay. honest. They were getting torched so bad up front, I didn't even notice, like, who it was. There was a yeah. lot of Bryce Ramsey in this game. Was it? Um I didn't notice if, if Newman played or not. Um, I guess I'd go look. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, I think if anything would concern me, and, and this is some Matt Corral, but it's mostly the wide receivers and everybody else is, man, that's your offense next year, and you didn't have a whole lot of separation. Um, so you're going to get it next year? How's this going to work? Because I'll be honest with you, and, and this doesn't sound nice, but there's not a wide receiver besides Braylon Sanders that I really trust right now. D- Dontario Drummond's fine. He's a good possession guy. But outside of, hey, I need – outside of Braylon Sanders, there's not many guys that it's, hey, go make me a play. Um, and Ole Miss has got to find some of those guys. Sure, let's go through this because this was something I was already planning on writing about as we entered the offseason. And honestly, as we hit all these damn COVID breaks and I was struggling to try to figure out what I was going to write about on a weekly basis, this was a story that I kept saying to myself, no, hold on off on this. This is an offseason story, but we don't have anything else to do. Let's just go through it, man. Because So uh, Sanders made a really good catch on that first uh, touchdown guy. Absolutely. It was a well-placed ball by Corral. That was a really good play. And honestly, it's, it's, it's probably got overshadowed because Sanders has not stayed healthy for much of the last two years. And he just hasn't been enough of a factor for when he exits the game to it feel like it actually hurts. But given that you're down Yaboa and you're down Elijah Moore, him catching that touchdown pass and then going out of the game hurt for the last two drives. 
Like, I, I don't know enough about Ole Miss and their play calling, and they would never tell you, even if I was still there asking questions as a reporter, whether Sanders' absence affected their play calling on the four-minute drill drive where they just went straight backwards and punted it back to LSU. But you would have to think it affected it somewhat because Dennis Jackson – or J, excuse me, Jaden Jackson is out there on the field in crunch time. So I think that matters. But let's go through it right now. Who do you? Th- so who's on the roster next year that you trust? Uh, at wide receiver. I'll go on it with this year, and because none of these guys are seniors, you've got Mingo. Eh. No, no, no. no. And let me just expound there for a second. Uh, I think it's that no. cat went two and a half quarters today and didn't exist. So no, I don't trust him. Agreed. No, and. He's a sophomore now, like, and he kind of got his feet wet as a freshman, and he was the guy that a lot of people wrote about, myself included, in the preseason talking about how, hey, man, like, because I, I didn't think Yeboah would be as good as he was, so it kind of ended up being a little bit moot. But like, hey, man, you need Mingo to be the second option. Wrote that three, four times. I remember for the Kentucky game, I spent 600 words on a single bullet talking about how, hey, this kid needs to be much better this week. That was Ole Miss's second hey, game of the season. Hey, check your text messages real quick. Check, check what I just sent you out. That, that's what I see every day. Or that's what I saw today. This is a tweet from someone that says, just for the audience out there and, to and make we, this we better podcast. Left you everything out on the field, but sometimes that isn't enough to play at a collegiate level six turnovers is unacceptable and i don't know why the coaching staff insists on letting him play over Pumby when his he has games like these yeah i i don't know that person's not employed to go in the almost football program I, I i don't know how you can watch nine games and have that opinion but hey i i get it i don't think most people think that way though it was like me getting off in the weeds the other night with uh these guys quit on their team twitter um, talking oh my about God. the two opt-outs. No one actually really thinks that way. I just got really bored on my way home from work and decided to pick on the five or six boomers that talked about finishing Can the job. Can you imagine Elijah Moore today looking out there in that pouring down rain and thinking, yeah, I'm glad, you know, I, I really wish I was out God, there. God, I stuck it getting, out with my bros. God almighty. Kid's going to make $20 million and if he just can stay healthy until April. And it, yeah, I don't... I don't want him out there in Baton Rouge breaking his ankle over a uh, with a four and four football team. It's not like they were playing for the national title. And look, I want Ole Miss to win as bad as anybody, but man, come on, like this kid's owed twenty million dollars if we can get him to April healthy. I, the heck with that. Yeah, not again. That's one of those things where the internet camouflage is all rationality. Not. Not very many people actually think about this. Look at, I mean, if you really want to, I don't, I hate judging Twitter as any gauge of reality, but look at like the replies to Elijah and Kenny Oboa's tweets. 95% of them are, hell yeah, man, go get your money. It's just a few idiots, but apparently on idiots, their voices Voices. is apparently considered equal because it's social media. Anyway, back to this exercise. Go back, go back to the wide receiver. Jonathan Mingo is a no. Back to this exercise. Mingo, no, right? No, absolutely not. Dennis Jackson, it's an absolute no, but like it's kind of interesting. What do you have? But if it hasn't, I mean, if if Dennis Jackson didn't play today, he played on a kickoff. Like he he, he he got his first catch of the year. uh, Yes. On the last drive. Dontario Drummond. I don't even know. Is he back? Did he go through senior day? I can't even remember. No, I think he's back. I I think Drummond can play. Uh, My thing with Drummond is he's never going to be the guy that's. Like, I don't think Dontario Drummond. He's is not the, the guy when you get flushed out of the pocket that you're like, okay, he's got a one on one. Let's go. Like, 
he's open. He, I think you he can't is throw a really him open. Solid SEC receiver. Um, I don't think you can rely on him to be your number one or two guy, though. He's the same. It's it's what we just talked about earlier. The when the first pick after the second half, where Corral gets flushed out of the pocket, runs to his right. He's got a one on one with a cornerback that's smaller than him. When he enter, you know, when the TV pans to where they're about to meet the point of contact with the football, you're like, oh, they have something here, and he just got torched. It wasn't that bad of a thrown football, so that's a no for me. Braylon Sanders, he's about to Absolutely. be like 24, 25. I would say yes. Is he back? I hope. Yeah, he is. I, I think I did read he didn't go through senior day. Um, I absolutely trust Braylon Sanders. I thought it was kind of I, – I was shocked they played Mingo over him as long as they did. Cause, uh, he's a I think good Bra- player. He just yeah, can't good, stay healthy. Good. Yeah, he's, he's a really good, good player. player. He's a kid that had 200 yards and like 20 like, catches, if I'm not mistaken, as a freshman, freshman at the peak of DK Lodge and uh, AJ. He's a good player. Yeah, absolutely. And So, yeah, I trust him. Uh, I'm just going down the roster here, so please don't think I'm being facetious. The next one is Sellers Shy, the scout yeah, team continue. He played quarterback we the first two years. We did. Sellers Shy looks like he's been spending time at Sigma Chi. Uh, Jaden <laughs> J- Jaden Jackson, man, keep going. Wait, okay, so so Jaden Jackson was out there in crunch time to, today. I mean, yeah. you, you keep saying keep going, but I know that's a kid that's going to be asked to do something. Is he though? Because because you just signed a kid from ICC that uh he, he got to play um, immediately. You signed Braywin Brown too, but asking these kids to do what they did as a true freshman. I mean, you didn't even ask DK Metcalf to be great as a true freshman. Now, granted, he got hurt against Wofford, but you get what I'm saying. Like that's a tall task. Who is they? Who are they going to next year? Um, uh, 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 Braylon Sanders, I guess, and and like. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep going this. I'll do. Nevin Wells, that's a walk on. It actually, childhood friend of mine. Shout out Jackson Prep. Uh, Josh Ricketts, assuming that's a walk on just by the photo. Sorry, generalization. Jared Farlow, don't know who that is. Jack White, Drake Beck, and Jacob Carter. Those are the receivers on this roster. And I don't trust a single one of those guys uh, outside of Braylon Sanders and and a little bit of Dontario Drummond. Um, that man. So, all right. Well, let's do this. Can you pull up the recruiting class? Sure. I mean, I have. I mean, I, I know who they recruited anyway, but I'll pull it up just for just for the sake of the exercise. But, dude, okay. So, so you're talking. So that's what we're talking about. You have Sanders. You pretty much what you have. What you already have. I mean, you're basically. I mean, if you're Ole Miss, you're you're Sanders, you're Drummond, you're Mingo, and you're praying one of the Jacksons pan what, out at this well, point, right? What, what they, I'm sure, will hope and and. Look, I get the jokes is that they have somebody that can go in and play defensive back. And look, I get it. Like people are going to laugh at me when I say, and they can move Tyler Knight back to offense because he's better than what they had out there today. There, there's no doubt in my mind that if Tyler Knight would have been on offense on the last drive, he would have been the best, one of the best wide receivers out there. Yeah, I don't even necessarily disagree with that, but you're at 23 kids that have signed a letter of, of intent and a 24th that's committed. There's not a ton of room, and they're going to have roster attrition, so they're going to have, but they're going to have to go find an impact skill player in the transfer portal, are they not? How do I you mean, not? Yeah, I, I think they're going to get a pretty, pretty good tight end um, transfer. Um, to, you, saw, can, you you flipped the kid from Tennessee, Hudson Rolf. Who yeah, Hudson Rolf's going to play immediately. Huge kid. Yeah, he's going to play immediately, um, and I think you got another tight end that's going to come in that's going to play immediately. Um, and then, but man, you've got Braylon Sanders and. 
you know, look, and, and here's the thing too. Like we're like, we, we went through the list and you said, Jonathan Mingo I said, do you trust it? No, I don't. Um, but can Jonathan Mingo be a better football player next year and, you know, surprise somebody? Sure. Absolutely. I've seen people grow up all the time and become better football players. Um, so I don't, I'm not writing this kid off, but if you told me today, Hey, Jonathan Mingo is your number one receiver. I would say I am in trouble. So, so maybe he gets a whole heck of a lot better over the off season because he needs to. Agreed. And you've got five kids in this class. You've got, or four, excuse me, because Wolf is a tight end, but you've got sure. Braylon Brown who, I'm, again, I am not a recruiting expert. I don't pretend to be one. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, I have made that abundantly clear. But I don't know how he's not at least in the mix to play immediately next year. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. You got a slot kid from uh, right around where I am now, uh, North McKinney, Texas. J.J. Henry. Henry I slot think kid. that kid's a star. And again, I'm not the recruiting expert. But I tell you what you do if you get a minute. And now I'm saying right now. Go watch his highlight film and see who he reminds you of. He he reminds me of a guy that wore number eight uh, this year. Sure. But, you know, asking uh, that kid to be that immediately. No, uh, I'm not. But I think that kid's a star. Brandon Buckhalter, another uh, MAS kid, Hartfield Academy, shout out. He probably got scared under the lights on Ridgewood Road, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Maybe I mean probably not. And then the kid's name's Quay Davis, right? The Itawamba Yeah, the kid, kid from ICC's got to go. He's got to play. Six one two ten. I mean, he's got the body too. But that's what you have coming in. And no, granted, I'll, 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 I guess the final bow on this thought as well is, if you're talking out about a position to where you're like, what the hell are we gonna do next year? With modern college offenses, the easiest one to either mask your deficiencies or find a kid that's sufficient enough is wide receiver and running back these days. Is that fair? Sure, sure. absolutely. So, you know, they they, 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 they five kids. They have an option, but I think they need an impact kid in the transfer portal. Yeah, I think if there's anything that today showed you, that was it, right? And I feel like you know, you know, they're giving blanket waivers out now. I mean. There's not a whole lot better offenses you can transfer to than Ole Miss. If you're a wide receiver um, and you can you can play, uh, there's a spot for you. And by God, if you're good enough, Lane Kiffin will get you the football. That's the other side of this argument, too, is like, yeah, as bad as this was, Lane Kiffin lost his top two targets. He lost his other two skill position guys to injury in the second half of this game, and they still put up 558 yards of offense. Yeah. No, they were awesome. Um, I'm, yeah, they've turned the football over, but you know, and people are going to blame Corral, <laughs> man. I just keep going back to it, it. It, it didn't break my heart, but watching him continuously just pumping the football in the pocket as he was getting blown up because none of his wide receivers could get open was just disheartening. Um, because all year they were open and today they just were not. And you can guess the reason for that. Sure. sure. I mean, Ole Miss wins this game easily with Kenny above. Absolutely. It's not even, yeah. Well, Ole Miss puts up 65 points with them. Well, okay. So maybe not even, okay. I'm not saying you're wrong, but maybe not even that. I th- I would say you could lop the turnovers in half because three of those well, were a direct result of him being under pressure and just basically saying for the lack of a better phrase and without you know knowing the without going back and looking at the actual x's and o's of what he was thinking what he was saying i'm basically just saying f it yeah no i'm with you there um and i 
the the pick six is the one and the one right before halftime where it's just like, man, what are you doing? Um, the other four, I mean, well, the fumble was kind of on him. The other three, it's just like, man, could somebody help the dude out? Because you know, like that drama, go go make a play, man. Um, and for whatever reason, it just wide receivers were not good today. Agree, and I I don't like, I don't mean this to sound like 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 we know more than you type of thing but this type of game to end your season and i get it there's probably going to be one more chapter written i think obviously they're going to go to a bowl game game and play someone hopefully corral plays better in that game but like say this were the end of the season this would create a little bit of a, a, a chasm in the fan base in the sense that like the people that don't necessarily know what they're watching like the tweet you sent me earlier are going to be like well Who's going to play quarterback next year? Like, this ain't it. Where exactly, like, exactly. Most rational people, I think, know they have their guy. You just got to have dudes that get open. <laughs> that would help. That would help. Dudes got to get open. And I feel like they'll figure out. And, man, here's another thing, too. You know, just get, that doesn't get talked about a whole heck of a lot. Uh, Ole Miss practiced three times in the last three weeks. You know, it's hard. So Kiffin said uh, that at halftime. They said we look – I mean, like – we look, he said, quote, we look like a team that has not played in 21 days. I mean, they've had all kinds of issues, man, with COVID or whatever. Like you mentioned, they haven't played in 21 days. Like, it's hard to blame them for this loss. People get mad because it was a close game, and they get emotionally invested in these games. And the way Ole Miss lost sucks, particularly turn it over six times. They go down the field. You have a chance to win the football game at the end, and your quarterback that has played miserably for most of the game turns it over one more time. It just leads to a sulk face, fe- excuse me, sulk fest. But at at the same time, man, they're down their best two skill position players. They lost two more in the second half, and they had not played in 21 days. Like, what the hell did you just expect? And LSU is coming off their greatest win of their season. Yeah. <laughs> and it sucks because, man, if you beat LSU in Baton Rouge, you, it's the perfect way to end your season, and you don't get that. You're going to a bowl game at four and five, and it's not perfect, but whatever. I mean – Anybody that is can emotionally attach themselves from today's results um, would look at this season as a success, especially after what happened on Wednesday. Just a tough day, um, especially, man, watching that first half as you watched the Ole Miss basketball team blow that game was not fun either. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I had a couple other topics that I thought we were going to get to. But this game lasted seven out or seven hours in this uh, literally four in quite in all in all seriousness this game lasted four hours and I have dinner reservations to get to I was gonna get to a little bit of hoops I was also gonna get into a little bit of so I had this like basically column written in my mind about how like Lane Kiffin made Ole Miss football fun again and I don't think the the column in its sense is any less true. But, like, Ben would call me afterwards and be like, why the hell did you post this after they just lost in the way they did? So I'm not writing it. But, like, you know, you get on the sideline and Ole Miss is, goes up 41-40 or whatever it is. or They were down 37-34, and it's pouring rain. This game doesn't matter at all. There's no one in the stadium. And you've got dudes on the sideline basically inciting a riot. They brought a smoke machine on the sideline, <laughs> and everyone is losing their collective minds they're having fun, and I guess this would – since I'm not going to write the column, I think this would be a good way to, I guess, wrap up this game. Is like, regardless of what happened today, Lane Kiffin has made Ole Miss football fun again. I know Ole Miss fans had fun on signing day. I, I, I read my Twitter mentions for an entire day and a half. Signing day was fun again. They had fun again today. Like, this is an enjoyable program again, and I don't think 
that is going to get lost with today. But no. I would just like to re reassert the fact that it shouldn't either. This is this is Lane Kiffin. I, you know, if, if I'm getting ahead of myself, please feel free to stop me. This is Lane Kiffin's worst team, and they lost by five in Baton. God, I would hope so. They <laughs> just lost for by, his sake. They lost by seven to Auburn or whatever. They lost by six to Arkansas. They lost by five to Alabama or whatever. I, I mean, th- this, there was one game that was not within one possession that they lost, um, you know, and, it, and it's Florida. It's This This is going to be fun. Just, just chill out. I know today's result sucks. I get it. But when you're playing without your top four playmakers in in the fourth quarter, that's what happens. And, you know, it just is what it is. And and I think that anybody that looks at this objectively says that Ole Miss is headed in the right direction. And and get, you hope they are. Um, because, man, this, this year for me was a lot of fun. This, honest to goodness here, and, and, and I don't say this lightly, um, outside of Alabama, I, an Ole Miss fan, went into every game thinking, okay, they can win. I can't say that I thought like that the last three years, but every game Ole Miss played this year, with the exception of Alabama, who they almost beat, I thought they could win the football game. Um, and for me, that's kind of really all I ask. Like, let me show up to the stadium and believe they can win the football game. And and Lane Kiffin's credit for every game except one, I thought that. And to, I mean, even under, I, I could not agree more, but to even underscore your point further, the one game you didn't think they had a chance to win, they actually kind of had a halfway yeah. legitimate shot to, you know, get frisky in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were frisky in the fourth yeah, quarter. The game was tied in the fourth quarter. <laughs> right. Like they were never actually winning it, but to say they didn't have a shot, you know, is just really kind of being disrespectful to what they had done. No, for I, I was saying before the game. No, no, no. I agree. No, I know what you're saying. No, I I agree. I'm just kind of underscoring your point. Like, it feels silly to say, hey, Ole Miss had a shot to beat Bama, but they actually did. Like, they really did. They were in the game in the fourth quarter, and that's the one game you're talking about where going into it, like any other rational human being that's watched college football, you thought, okay, there's no shot here. I mean, hell, the spread was what, 26? Is that what it was? Yeah. 24. So, So that was actually part of what my column was going to be was, to your point, Ole Miss played a 10-game SEC-only schedule. They finished the season 4-5. and five. You know, if two other things go their way, they're 5-4 and four with a chance to be, you know, 7-3. and three. But that's neither here nor there. To your point, in eight of the nine games they played before the game, you felt like they had a legitimate shot to win the football game. Whereas under Matt Luke, and I don't know how much of this is his fault, but it just kind of it, it doesn't it doesn't make it any less true. Under Matt Luke, you knew exactly what was going to happen. You were going to beat Vanderbilt. You were going to beat Arkansas. You were going to have five coin flip games, which, if you want to go through his last year, was what Texas or not Texas Tech? That twenty. I'm trying to think. Twenty nineteen. Memphis. You know who else? Missouri. Yeah. Auburn because they kind of stunk and two others. But in the back of your mind, you knew they were going to do something dumb or just not have the horses and not get over the top. And every single year, Matt Luke coached Ole Miss with 2017 being the exception because they pulled out that Kentucky game and they went and beat State on the road. You knew exactly what Ole Miss was going to be and exactly what games they were going to win and exactly what games they were going to lose. And that's part of what made it not any fun. 
You knew they had no shot when they played LSU if they were good. You knew they had no shot against Alabama, and you knew they had no shot against name your opponent here that's not Vanderbilt or Arkansas or whatever. Like, you get what I'm saying? The results were always known, and that made the season less fun, to whereas that's not been the case under Kiffin at all, and it's certainly not going to be the case going forward. So to your point is, if you're an Ole Miss fan, all you're asking for is a chance, and he gave you a chance in every single game you played. They didn't get blown out by anyone. No, and I, I don't know, man. I, I I'm excited for next year. Uh, I'm I'm excited to buy season tickets. It's it's going to be fun. Like, can you imagine um, the Egg Bowl this year if it's a what five and four five or let's call it six and five or seven and four old Miss team rolling in there? Like that atmosphere would have been insane. Um, and, and next year is going to be a whole heck of a lot better football team uh, with a quarterback with another year of experience. Yeah, losing Elijah Moore is going to suck. Losing Kenny Yobo is going to suck. Um, but that's what you recruit for. And and hopefully you're able to overcome that. And, and I just, man, you look out there and you're able to put 48 points on the board with not a lot of good wide receivers, frankly. Um, and and I, I just think, man, if, if you can do that, you, you've got a shot. And I don't think anybody – uh, that follows this program or is close to this program thinks this defense won't be. Frankly, I think this defense will be a lot better next year because there's only one way to go, and I don't think they're going to be near this bad again. I don't think they're going to be – I, I think you're going to be able to count on this defense getting a good many more stops next year. Yeah, would uh, would agree. I um, So the, I guess the final encompassing thought with that would be defense stunk again. That's kind of the the if you want to talk about rubber meeting the road, like it, it's very much clear now. We talked about this throughout the year. Was hey, is it this just a talent thing, or are they not well coached either? And I think it became abundantly clear by the end of the year that it was not just a talent thing. No, and so that's where not like Ole Miss recruited pretty well defensively. They met some needs, but asking those a lot of those guys, I would say. I would say three off the top of my head will probably contribute immediately, but asking really any more than that is not fair. That's where you're going to have to see remarkable improvement. And maybe it's just dudes that don't fit their scheme. I'm not football savvy enough to know that. Not an all-22 guy. Don't know the minutia of blitz schemes and all of that. I'm just saying next year, if you're talking about an aspect of the program where the rubber needs to meet the proverbial road, it's looking much better and much more organized on the defensive side. Yeah, absolutely agree. I, I, I could not agree more. Um, man, and there was a fourth and two where you're running players on with uh, LSU is snapping the football. Um, it, it It's not just coaching uh, or it's not just talent. It, it's not just coaching either, um, to, to be clear. But I, I don't know how you can watch what Kyle Booty did to, to the secondary over and over and over and over as Ole Miss continued to rush three. Um, and think it was just a talent issue. I mean, there, there was no attempt to do anything besides single cover him, it felt like, and they just kept going to him over and over and over again. Um, so hopefully it's a heck of a lot better next year. Um, I think they've recruited some guys that can step in and play immediately, and, and God knows they better. Yeah, they should, and that's probably kind of going to determine Ole Miss's ceiling next year is just how much better they are on the defensive side and whether they have – um, kind of the horses at receiver. I think that's kind of the two main things. You figure the offensive line will be okay. I think Ole Miss, 
I mean, whatever. Corral's going to be fine at quarterback. I think they've got some pieces in the secondary. Like, A.J. Finley turned into a nice player. The, the announcer duped me today. I With the pick in the end zone that Keydron Smith picked off, I saw that it was 20, like, out of the corner of my eye. But then when he shouted to A.J. Finley, I'm sitting there with my laptop taking notes. And I fired off some dumbass tweet. It was like, A.J. Finley's turned into a nice player for Ole Miss, which was not any less true at the time, but he did not pick the football off, which was not great um, <laughs> from, from, from an internet perspective. But there's some nice pieces in the secondary. They recruited really well back there. They got two or three kids that I think are going to be very good. You think they're going to be okay in the secondary? Not really sure what to make them at linebacker. They need interior defensive line help. But, like, everywhere except the defensive side of the football – and receiver, you think they're going to be okay. And so that's a pretty decent place to be heading into year two. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, I don't know, man. It, it, it's just kind of – it sucks that it ended this way, right, with six turnovers from your quarterback and, you know, your best two players are out. But I, I just – I don't know anybody that can rationally look at this and think this was anything other than a rousing success. So, yeah, heading into year two, man – and, and the recruiting class you pulled off, and I think Ole Miss is going to do well in February. I don't know. I, I, I think if you're an Ole Miss fan and you're not excited, then, then me and you just have uh, completely different perspectives because th- this was a lot of fun for me. Uh, th- these nine games were a lot of fun to be able to see this offense performance level it did. And, and you know, the defense wasn't much better. Uh, that, that was, I think, my biggest problem with the defense throughout the rest of the whole year is I never thought that they got a whole lot better. Um, and everybody will point to the state game and say state only scored 24. State sucks on offense. I know what they did to Missouri today. I don't care. Um, Missouri is stupid and played man coverage for the whole game. Um, I just – my frustration with this defense was they never got much better. Um, I thought there were some guys that came in and played well. I thought Miles Battle played well. I thought Tyler Knight played well. Uh, I think, if anywhere, the the guys in the secondary may have gotten better, but on the defensive line and the linebacker position, it just – the same things that reared their ugly heads at the beginning of the year reared them today against LSU. Yeah, agreed. Let's answer these questions before before we can get the hell out of here. We'll go rapid fire. We've got a question about nachos. Uh, I I do know this guy. I We are friends, but I'm not going to answer that right now because I've got to go eat something better than nachos. Is the sixth turnover game a trend for Corral? A trend for Corral flukes. I think he miss. I think he misspoke. It's, I guess he's basically asking is that a fluke or a trend. Look, man, it's not a fluke because it happened twice this year. They're just going to need to rein that in. Not even sure if it's a trend yet. Maybe it is, but we kind of already covered that. Was Dirk in a sleep all game? I think we Man, covered ooh. a little bit of this as yeah, well. Yeah, I'm not defending him today. Um, there's a lot of people that are saying this is just a talent issue as Kyle Booty gets 280 yards receiving or whatever the heck he had. Yeah, I'm, I'm not defending that guy today. That was, that was a bad look. Sure, it was. And that kind of gets to what we just finished up talking about, right? Like, you talk about rubber meeting the road. They're going to have to look better and much more organized defensively next year. They don't have to be world beaters. But they've got to look like the 2019 Mac- Mike McIntyre defense to where even when they stink, they don't look like a discombobulated mess doing it. I think that was one of the things people love to say he doesn't get enough credit for this when in reality the guy actually probably got proper credit. You're just trying to sound like you're ahead of a take. Mm-hmm. Mike McIntyre's defenses, the reason that people left when he left Oxford, he had a favorable opinion is because they weren't always great, but he did with a lot with a little. And even when they weren't bad, they didn't look like a discombobulated Wesley McGriff mess. And there was a lot more Wes McGriff than there was Mike McIntyre in this defense this Absolutely. year. 
with more talent than Wes McGriff had in his defense. If it's ooh, if it's ooh. possible to defend Wes McGriff, I, I don't know about that one. I mean, that, that they had a Benito Jones um, and Ken Webster. I don't know. Oh man, okay. So we'll agree to disagree there. I don't just dis- like uh, Benito Jones, good player. Ken Webster, good player. But I'll argue. I guess I was thinking more 2018. 2018 Wes McGriff did not have as much talent as this 2020 team had. Are you like who on this 2020 team is gonna? All right, who on this 2020 team starts at another SEC school though? Sam Williams, Lakia Henry, maybe not even Lakia Henry, maybe just Sam Williams. And I would Otis argue Reese, Henry and Otis Reese. start on most other ones. You think? Yeah, I mean most, not all. Kedron Smith. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good player. Depending good. on who you're talking about, AJ Finley. Like AJ wow, Finley and Jalen Jordan are not great players. They would start on four or five of the other SEC defenses, depending on. Who, I mean, obviously they're not starting on the top half of the league. I just think overall, I mean, you're if you want to, like, I guess neither one is old enough to talk about pro prospects, but like, who was a difference maker on that eighteen defense? Because uh, remember, this is post Breland speaks. This is post that yeah. twenty seventeen where they weren't completely incompetent. Twenty eighteen was pretty bad, man. No, it was. I, I just I don't think this defense is talented at all. Uh, no, I'm saying either, that I'm I don't not think they defending. They should get a pass Dirk. either. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't think they. I think they were less talented in 2018, and that's why I don't think they should get a pass. It's it's not by much, but like you're okay. not talking about how this team just has nothing, and 18 was an embarrassment of riches either. Yeah, no. Um, and and to be clear, T.J. Durkin is a whale of a lot better than uh, Weston Cromdog McGriff that had defensive ends trying to guard Jerry Judy. Um, but in saying that, um, there were just some things this year that just looked to me disorganizing, discombobulated, and outside of some secondary members, um, getting a little better. I did just didn't see a whole whale of a lot of improvement, and and that. That was the most concerning part to me is is they didn't look a whole lot better from Florida to LSU. I'm skipping over the silly ones. Um, in your opinion, how much will this recruiting class improve our defense in 2021? Pepper Crutcher asks. A lot. I, yeah, I'll, I'll say a decent bit. I just I don't know how fair it is. I how do those do JUCO defensive linemen turn out? Particularly the two defensive tackles. That will tell a lot of the tale. I think Ole Miss is pretty good in the secondary. I think they might have a kid or two that contributes immediately. They don't really have a standout linebacker at all, depending on what you classify Dink Jackson and where he'll play. So, like, not getting a ton of help in the middle. So, ask me, how, like, if I could know the statistics of those two JUCO interior defensive linemen, you'll know a lot more. But I think it has the potential to be uh, a lot, like you were about to say. Sorry, I cut you off there. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it, it better be a lot. Um, you know, a lot of times it takes JUCO kids a little bit to come in and get ready. But, man, these JUCO kids got to go on the defense side of football. Jamont Gordon and, and Isaiah Eton got to go um, quickly. So, you know, I, I think it's it's got to help a lot. Uh, I think they've got guys that can have SEC speed, whereas right now I don't, you know, there's some guys that they're forced to put out there that don't have SEC speed. Um, So, well, it's hopefully the answer is a lot. These next couple are continuing on the defensive trend. And Noah Davis, I think this is a good point. How much do you think spring football will help things on the defensive side of the ball? I'll say immensely. Immensely? I mean, how do you, how do you like, because they're not, they're running a much different, they're running an entirely different front than Mike McIntyre ran, and they don't have a spring to put it in. And I think that was probably lost on a lot of it. It's where you're talking about, hey, this is not talent alone. 
sure. But at the same time, as someone who has never played football at a high level at all, I would think it would be a lot harder, particularly when you don't have the same level of talent to switch defenses than it was to implement something new offensively, given what you have on the perimeter and quarterback. I think that makes a big difference. I think spring football will help this defense a lot. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I think spring de- or spring happened or spring definitely helps. Um, I, I think talent obviously will help. So that's that's why I think yeah, uh, this this defense is going to be a lot better next year. And and that doesn't mean that they're not going to give up 42 points in some games. I mean, you know, good defenses nowadays give up 42 points in games. Um, so, I but I do think that they're going to be a lot more a lot more. Uh, active next year and I, I think they'll give Ole Miss an opportunity to win more football games than they did this year. Agree. I think the spring football fixes a lot of the hey what the hell are we in right now who's subbing in who's subbing out type of stuff and yes there's an argument to be made by game nine that that should have been fixed already but there is an element of like kind of having that being second nature and switching defenses and as fast as offenses go nowadays you really got to have that stuff kind of down pat as second nature. So being able to do a lot more stuff and it being second nature, I think will help immensely in the spring. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. Um, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. I, I, I expect a lot more out of this defense next year. And if this defense doesn't play better next year, you got some questions to answer at that point. Sure. You got to make a change. I mean, I'm going to put it out there. Like I mean, <laughs> go two years of that bad. You got to do something different. Yeah, no, Here's an, um, speaking and, of and, making a change, you ready for this? Yeah. Would you rather have Derek Mason or Durkin and Partridge? Ooh. That's um, a good question. It's a it's a very good question. It's a very fair question. I don't really feel look, I, I've been critical of DJ Durkin this year. Um, but I do think the guy knows how to coach football. I just don't think he put this defense in the best situation possible. So I, I'm willing to give this guy a little or another year at least to before I form a true opinion on him. I just worry that you guys don't get a heck of a lot better. That's what worries me with him. Um, if, if, if it was like, I don't know, picking blindly, would I rather have Derek Mason or DJ Durkin? It would be Derek Mason. I also would not uh, relieve DJ Durkin of his duties to hire Derek Mason. Oh, oh, sure. I don't think this guy uh, asking the question. No, I know suggesting that. I think he was just kind. Of, like, I think it's a good podcast. No, it absolutely. I, I think though uh, you're right. I think blindly, like if you're making me, well, if Ole Miss is in December of 2019 last year and Derek Mason's available, are you hiring DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge? Or are you hiring Derek Mason? Give me the choice. You know, I'll go Derek Mason, and that's probably – honestly, I'll admit it. It'll come down to the fact that I didn't know a ton about Chris Partridge until after he got hired and I talked to people and got more familiar. I knew what Durkin was, you know, Maryland situation aside. But I probably would pick Derek Mason. And honestly, to this point, there's nothing in 2020 that would have changed my mind. But, you know, that wasn't an actual thing. So, like, we're just – talking about a hypothetical but i'd probably pick mason change my yeah. mind yeah no i'm i'm fine with that absolutely let's uh, see we got a couple more of these things before we rip out of here what kind of growth do you think you'll see from the defense de- <laughs> these are all defensive questions what kind of growth do you think you'll see from the defense next year Ole Miss didn't get all of the stops they wanted but there were some bright spots in the defensive playmaking i think he's talking about today Ole Miss's run defense was actually okay today like you know what i mean lsu didn't really gash them they sucked in the passing game 
Max Johnson did all kinds of what pretty much whatever he wanted to. You know, it's funny. You talk about bad defenses. You know you're talking about a bad defenses when you're nine games in and a kid from LSU who I've never heard of had 300 yards and we're bringing him up an hour in this podcast. <laughs> what was that kid's yeah. name? Booty? Boutte? Yeah. It just can, he, he's still open. I mean, is his name is, Booty? Because middle school must have been tough. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the uh, the kid from Texas that's named General Booty? He, he's I did. He's right in my neck of the woods. He goes have for you, Allen. I've actually uh, I was supposed to cover one of his games, but oh, didn't end up happening. You General Booty asked him some hard hitting questions. I would have done. I you know, it's General Booty like chocolate. Anyway, not uh, not here near. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, right in my neck of the woods, Allen High School. Shout out North Texas. Um, we've only got one or two more. That may have been it. Let's see. Yeah, we answered. Does it, you have any hesitation on Corral being quote unquote the guy? Yeah, that was pretty much it. That's everything. Has Matt Corral run out of interceptions yet? Well, you would you would hope so. Uh, yes, the call, the game ended, so he ran out of interceptions. I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, it does not throw any in the bowl game that they're going to get to play in, which I don't think a whole lot of people expected before the year. But another story for another day. Yeah, I think that's all we got. I um, hoops lost sixty five sixty two at Dayton today. I'll give you one encompassing thought on that is. I don't think they found much of an offensive identity yet. Ole Miss is a really, really good team defensively, and I think that's going to take a lot of time for uh, for fans to get used to. Um, just because you know you're used to the AK thing, and like for all to AK's credit, you never had a. I mean, he they were very good offensively. You never had a team that you're like, man, this team is really good defensively. You talk about th- this team has potential to be Kermit Davis DNA on steroids defensively. They're really good. They've just got to figure out an offensive identity. But I think it's going to take a lot for the casual Ole Miss basketball fan to kind of flip the switch to this team gets stops and they don't have to score 80 points to win games. No, no, this, this team defends and, and it sucked how today ended. I, you know, not going to pretend like it did. And then, you know, offensively, they've got a ways to go. Um, but if, if I'm an Ole Miss basketball fan, um, I'm not going to say I was encouraged by the loss, but. I, I see some signs that this team has a shot um, of being a pretty good basketball team and making the NCAA tournament, which is obviously what, what you kind of hope for this year is, is is that they make the tournament. So, um, you know, it, it, it'll be fun. I, I, I think this team has a really good shot of making the tournament. And, you know, if they get in and you can guard, what do they say, defense travels, and, and this team certainly guards. Nothing today, exactly. Nothing today changed any expectations I have for the Ole Miss basketball team. They're going to have to figure out an offensive identity. Romello White is awesome. Bobby Hurley basically just saying Remy Martin take 25 shots a game instead of 20 and not giving Romello White enough touches to stay at Arizona State is an all-time foolish decision. That kid is an unbelievable two-way player. You hope Shuler can stay healthy and continue what his what he's done on the offensive end of the floor. You're going to need one of Matthew Morrell. Austin Crowley or Jarkel Joyner to turn into a somewhat decent third scoring option. And you're talking about the 11 to 14 point a game margin. Luis has kind of been that guy, but I'm not sure it's a hundred percent fair to continue to ask Luis to do that. Given what he's going to give you on the defensive side of the floor and the energy he's going to have to expend on a nightly basis, shutting down the other team's best defender, which I think he's 100% capable of doing. And you got to remember another thing too. Last thought I'll say on this. 
Ole Miss opened the season, what, 12 days ago? They're playing their fifth game in like 15 days. Like, it's it's 100% natural to this team to not have an offensive identity yet. The only problem is in this truncated COVID season, they don't have the luxury of time. But this is not like a cause for concern. I would ca- I would call this naturally. Now, if we're talking about in January and they're yeah. struggling to get to 70 and they don't have anyone scoring outside of Morell and, and uh, or excuse me, outside of Schuler and Ramella White, then you got a problem. But this is natural. They just don't have a ton of time, unfortunately. Absolutely. I mean, you look at what happened with them with COVID, and, um, you know, that set them back. So if they look like this in three weeks, once you're two weeks into SEC play, then, yeah, it's cause for concern. But right now, uh, no. Uh, one quick thing. I figured up Matt Corral's final stat line for the year. Uh, here we go. 203 for 282, 71%. 2,996 yards for 10.62 yards per attempt, 27 touchdowns and 14 picks. Um, every single one of you would have taken that before the year. Yeah, absolutely. And what, uh, 12 of those picks came in two games? Yes. 11? Yes. yes. 11. 12 11 and, came in two games. Yeah, yeah. No, it was 12. It was six each game, wasn't it? Well, he had five and a fumble today, right? Uh, they actually ruled that an interception. No, but the fumble was at the end. He had five picks today, and then the oh, was okay, there. okay. So he had five picks. Okay, yeah, sure, sure. sure. I don't so blame you for having the turnover math not complete. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking about the one, you know, the one in the first half where they took the ball out of his hands. They they initially ruled it a fumble, but they changed it to an interception. Right. So I thought he I thought he had five interceptions at halftime initially. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, you would have taken that, right? And yeah. you know, you go into next year and you try to cut that into seven. That would be great if he throws seven interceptions next year. Uh, Ole Miss gonna have a great year. Absolutely, that's a great note to end on, dude. I appreciate it. We'll probably do this after the bowl game. I'm sure we might have some other football related podcast between now and then. But this was a this was a fun year, like we mentioned. We did nine of these nine of these things when I uh, asked you to start doing these when we first got to the beginning of the year. I'm going to be honest. I had no idea how many we'd actually get through. We <laughs> got through the season. It was fun. I appreciate the time. This was uh, good stuff. We'll uh, hopefully reconvene for the bowl. Absolutely. Sounds good, my man. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review us. If you've rated us five stars, you can say whatever you want in the comment sections. Appreciate everyone's support all year. Appreciate everyone listening. I appreciate the questions. Colin and I will be back for the bowl game. We might have a bowl preview, something cool before then. we got to see what the bowl season looks like before that. But everyone have a safe and happy uh, Saturday night, happy holiday, everything else. We will uh, catch you next time Ole Miss plays a game. Take it easy, dude. Sounds good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.